What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls Season 1, Episode 7. This is Season 1's season finale, and I want to say thank you guys for being such loyal listeners for Season 1. It's been a fantastic learning experience for me as I've gone through the process of putting together the first season of this podcast. You know, I was listening to Season 1, Episode 6 back last week with the great guest Steven Atanasio, and I was thinking to myself, wow, I can't believe that I went out, I said I was going to do a podcast, it was a little delayed in its launch, but then I went out and I did season one of a podcast. I'm very proud of myself for that, I have to say that, and it's a really strong thing to look at yourself in the mirror and say you accomplished something. And it also really excites me because I'm in the middle of putting together the list of interviews for season two of the podcast, which I promise to you will be stronger, bigger, badder, better than ever, and breaking more walls. And I want to also say thanks for all the feedback and the criticism that you guys have given about the podcast so far in Season 1. And some of the good things that you've mentioned are the content itself, and some of the things that you've mentioned are that the audio quality needs to get better. And I agree with both of those things. When I launched this podcast, my hope personally was that I would be able to take the audio content from Season 1 and show it to somebody and say, look, I've got Season 2 mapped out here. This is the content for Season 1. If you give me some good equipment and some studio time and some sponsor opportunities, I can present to you along with the community a fantastic podcast series that will reach more and more people. And I absolutely think that is more than a possibility for season two. So I'm going to be working very hard to bring you an even better season two of this podcast. Today's episode will not have a interview guest. It's just me talking to you guys, the community. I also am going to go over some highlights from season one along with the audio clips that presented. And in case you haven't known, Season 1, Episode 1 featured Reb Rant, Staten Island hip-hop MC. And Reb and I sat down and talked about all the things that you might not know about the recording industry, about finding inspiration, about losing insecurities. That is a definite common theme throughout Season 1, the losing insecurities part. And taking chances in life to get to places and finding your passions along the way. You can't get anywhere without hard work. Season 1, Episode 2's guest was Lena Gonzalez, who's now my partner, by the way, so big shout-out to Lena. And Lena's episode had to do with staying creative when your surroundings limit your creativity. Lena and I chatted about all the experiences that she had had up to that point, the many jobs she had gone through, the toolkit that she wanted to put together for herself internally so that she felt confident being a Jill of all trades, something that she feels very strongly about. And personally, just so we know... You know that phrase, jack of all trades or jill of all trades, master of none? I do not believe in it. I do think you need to be focused in life to a certain degree in order to monetize the things that you care about on a level that you can survive. But I don't think in life that you have to keep your head down and only focus on one thing at a time in order to be successful. Lena and I in that episode spoke about the two different kinds of people we feel are in this world, and that is a generalist, one who looks at the big picture and sees certain things and can do a little bit of everything, and one who is a specialist, somebody who hones in on something to a detail that a generalist couldn't get to and focuses on that detail to a point that they master it. So that was a really strong episode, and it's another one that I was really happy with because it led to Lena actually coming on as my partner, something that when I contacted her for the interview, I had no idea would come of it. It wasn't what I was thinking. I was just reaching out to a friend who had a lot of talent about a topic that I thought she could really expand on. Season 1, Episode 3 was Brett Affronti's Guide to Being a Freelancer. Now, Brett is a freelance illustrator. That is his specific niche. But it really was a great blanket conversation about all of the things that you might need to know in any industry if you've considered freelancing. 
Brett and I talked about the many different kinds of things like social media tools and tricks, how to get your name out there so that you're attracting the right kind of clients, how to do your taxes, whether you're going to do them quarterly basis or whether you're going to do them yearly, because the last thing that you want is to be owing the IRS a significant chunk of money. Another thing that Brett and I talked about were in general internal budgets because when you're not getting paid as a freelancer from 30, 60, 90 days out from the completion of a job, the last thing that you want is to get up one morning and check your online bank account and find that you're in the negative because you've got to eat. You've got to feel that kind of financial security where you can sleep well at night not feeling like you're on your last dime. And that is incredibly important when you're your own businessman because you have to make sure that your next check comes in. There isn't anybody cutting a check for you innately where you get up and go to work every day and you know that every 15th and 31st of the month or every week or however have you, however much you get paid, you're going to get paid. You're going to be your own businessman. And as Brett says, he works his butt off for that, but he also then has the freedom now six plus years out from college to be able to set the kind of lifestyle that he wants to live. And it does take work being a freelancer. But as Brett can tell you, after a certain amount of time, you begin to get that understanding and that confidence and that power over your own life. And he loves the fact that he's going to roll out of bed at 8 o'clock. He's not sleeping until noon. That's not his work habit. But he can go get a bagel. He can walk his dog. He lives right near a great cemetery in another beautiful park in Brooklyn, Greenwood Cemetery and Prospect Park. He can go take those walks on these autumn days and enjoy himself. Season 1, Episode 4 was not the normal interview. It was me sitting down and telling you guys about all the things that have been going on in the Wall Breakers and all the announcements that we made. Lena coming on as my partner the announcement that we've launched a GoFundMe campaign to help us relaunch the community in February of 2015. And I, I want to speak on that a little bit. I'm going to come back to it. But in Season 1, Episode 5, I sat down with Tom Moriello, who, as I like to call, is a legendary New York City nightlife promoter and bar manager. But what Tommy is really good at is communicating with people, and he's learned through various different triumphs and tragedies of sorts in his life, never a personal tragedy, but hardships and successes on a football field, uh, in a boxing ring, working for different corporate environments, now managing his own bar and dealing with both corporate overhead and daily patron activity. Tommy knows how to talk to people, and he's really confident when it comes to getting to yes in a professional environment or a pitch setting. And once again, what that means is no matter who we are, at some point in life, we're going to have to pitch an idea to somebody. We're not living in a closet, never talking to another human being. If you want to monetize your life, or if you want to get a career, if you want to get a job, and I don't necessarily mean going on an interview, although that is important. I mean, even let's say you're a fine artist who wants to sell a painting. If you can't communicate with somebody the things that you want to communicate with them, it stands to reason that your chances of success are going to be much lower than somebody who can and Tommy talks about all the things that he does in order to make sure that he can maximize his own potential, such as doing your research, such as being humble and understanding that there are those that know more than you and you need to respect them. As he says, your elders have been on Plymouth Rock a lot longer than you have, and it's important to understand all the successes that they have had, how they achieved them, so that you can take their own successes and their failures too and apply them to your life without having to go through the same process yourself. The homework has already been done for you by other people around you. Focus on those things and also at the same time know what your bread and butter is. Know what you can do at all costs to earn a paycheck because the fact of the matter is currency dictates our life to a certain degree. That's how we earn things in life. We want to buy food. We want to buy a car. We want to go out with our friends. We need dollars and cents in our pocket. And it stands to reason that you'll make more dollars and cents 
if you're doing something you feel passionate about, and if you're confident in that passion itself. And Tommy talks about the ways to get to that. And I do want to, if you are just discovering that particular episode for the first time, to quickly say that the audio quality on that particular episode was a little grainier than some of the others. Tommy and I had recorded it, and we didn't have a chance to go back and re-record because at this point in the year, he's so busy getting to yes in those pitch environments because he's in party season at his managing position, where with the holidays coming up and the post-summer rush back into bars because it's getting cold out, there's football, there's hockey, there's basketball on, Tommy gets really busy. And I want to thank him for taking that time out of his schedule to be on this podcast. I know that he was really happy with the way it turned out from a content perspective, and so was I. Season 1, Episode 6 was with Steven Atanasio, and that topic was Switching gears in your professional career and how to make it work for you. Steve is a Cornell graduate who went to work for Goldman Sachs as a municipal bond salesman. And Steve decided after five years that while he loved his job, he wanted to make sure that he didn't get up one morning and look in the mirror and say, damn it, have I wasted my life? He didn't want to have that guess for himself. He didn't blow bridges up and he didn't scorch the earth. He went and spoke to his superiors and told them how he was feeling and they sympathized with him. This is a natural human reaction to want to know what you're made of and to want to see what's out there. Steve took it upon himself to go and leave his job, had no specific plans as to what he was going to do next, and serendipitously met a man named Tony Verone at a wedding. And Tony is a 95-year-old World War II veteran. Steve and Tony started speaking about Tony's life and all the things he experienced being in World War II, surviving as many campaigns as he did in the four years that he was in the Army. And Steve was so enthralled by what Tony was telling him, and they had such great chemistry, that Steve wrote it down, and they wound up making a book together called Untouched Heroics, which is available on Amazon.com, and you can also go to UntouchedHeroics.com. And also Steve talks about the serendipitous trip that he took on the Trans-Siberian Railroad with a couple of friends from college that wouldn't have been able to present itself if he had not left his job. Now, granted, Steve was fortunate enough to save up enough money to give him a year's worth of leeway, but even after a year, Steve is back in the work world, working and finding his passions and enjoying himself, but with a new, renewed perspective that he would not have had if he had still been at Goldman Sachs for this whole time. And once again, as he would say, that's not a knock on Goldman Sachs at all. That couldn't be further from the truth. What it is is a man looking at himself in the mirror and saying, let's go see what I'm made of. I need as many experiences in my life to pull from to be as happy as I can. And if I can speak to a moment to people who consider themselves artists and creatives, we are lucky to be in an internet age where we can Google something or we can look something up on the internet or we can look something up on the iPad or on a television. But there is no alternative, truthfully, to going and experiencing something yourself. We will get these experiences if we go chase after them and they will help us in our own inspiration, creativity, and we will become better people for it because we'll have more life experiences to pull from both good and bad, when you have trying times in life, as Reb and I spoke about in Season 1, Episode 1, it's important to look back and say, what could I have done better, or what could I have not done better? We have to be as self-aware as possible, especially in a world that's moving as quickly as it is around us. And that's a good thing. Life is meant to be lived. And some of us, we go through periods of time where we don't feel like we're living our lives in the way that we'd want to live it. And that's why we have to look at ourselves in the mirror sometimes and say, what's the genesis of what I was planning on doing all along? Have I lost track of that? Am I still on that path? If the answer is yes, fantastic. Keep going. If the answer is no, 
Think about all the things that you like and all the things that you don't like and start to figure out how you can make the things that you like happen on a more regular basis and start to remove the things that you don't like from your life because I'm a spiritual person, but I can't tell you one way or another if the day that we breathe our last breath on this earth, it's the last time that anybody will ever have our, call it what you want, soul's thumbprint in this world. So with that being said, living our life to the fullest seems to be the best way to do it because we will be more enriched and we will live happier lives. And the more of us that are doing that, the better place the world is in general, and meeting up with like-minded people is a good way to start that. Now, if I can go back really quickly to Season 1, Episode 4 of the podcast, which was me announcing the changes that have come to the podcast, specifically that I have indeed left New York on a similar quest to Steve Atanasio, and that I knew that New York had stagnated me through part of my own fault, and just through the energy that the city has at the moment. I'm a native New Yorker, and more specifically, a native Brooklynite. But as a blue-collar, middle-class person, it's gotten more and more difficult to stay above water in New York between bills and rent and this, just the general price of the city itself. I decided that I'm young enough right now at 27, going on 28, to take this chance because I don't have a family. And other than the student loan bill that I have that's never going away until I pay it off, I don't have to worry about any kind of responsibilities. I was lucky enough to have a mother who lived in Arizona who said, come stay with me, work on the wall breakers, cut your overhead down as low as possible. I'm going to publicly thank her right now for that. It was a very difficult decision for me after being on my own and living on my own for 10 years to do that. I had never really done that after college, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to do it now. But along those lines, with taking on the wall breakers as a full-time thing, I realized that this community needs to grow in order for it to benefit anybody who wants to be involved in it. And as somebody who's at the forefront of that, me, the one who's been producing all the content, I realized that it's something that I want to do full-time. I do want to take this on. If everybody out there all told me, we hate this, give up. I would have to consider that maybe I don't really need to be doing this, but with the positive reactions that I've generally gotten over two years and the good constructive criticism and feedback as well, I decided that the best way that we can all grow together would be to start producing our own content under this header, considering that there are so many of us who feel like we want to meet those counterpoints in other people, and also because there are so many blogs out there that are so saturated with content that is just being regurgitated on the internet, it's important to be creating that content. I think you guys understand that as well as I do. Lena and I came together to form a partnership and decided that we were going to make the Wall Breakers the kind of community that people wanted to be involved in. It's not to say that people don't enjoy it now, but I looked at it and I said, we're plateauing here. We have been. As a person, let me just say that I understand that I can't be the one pulling this ship because I just become an anchor then. It can't all flow through me. It just makes me a bottleneck. And I'm just one person with one set of ideas and brain and one route that I'm going to go down. And I know that that's not how a network really forms. So Lena and I have set out and we are in the process of trying to and going to rebrand this community with a target date of a February 1st, 2015 launch. I won't get into specifics as to what our plans are because I've said them several times over. But if you want to hear more specifics, please go to GoFundMe.com slash TheWallBreakers, where we are currently running a fundraiser that runs through November 21st. And also, if you listen to Season 1, Episode 4 of this podcast, you can hear many more of the details of that launch and of the ideas that we have. If you want some more information but don't feel like listening at the moment, I just finished another op-ed that I wrote, which is called The Furthest I've Ever Been Out of My Comfort Zone, Experiences with a Crowdfunding Campaign where I go into even more details as to what it feels like to ask people to, to give me money. It's not something I'm comfortable with, to be honest with you, and not something that I have a lot of experience with at this time. But I want to thank people for their supportive words and their generosity because it has meant a lot to me. And like I said, 
in that op-ed, which is once again called The Furthest I've Ever Been Out of My Comfort Zone, Experiences with a Crowdfunding Campaign, it's really important to me that you guys are paying it to me in a way, both through words and generosity, because I need to pay that back to you and I also need to pay it forward to the future of this community, to people that don't even know that the wall breakers exist yet, because in the end, we'll all be better for it. And that's my hope. I also understand that I need to roll with the punches as time goes along, and if that is suddenly not something that anyone is interested in, I need to figure out what my own path is too. And that's part of why I'm doing this. I am unsure of what my path is in life. I have an idea of what I would like it to be, but the fact of the matter is, like we've said before, we're all governed by the fact that we need an income because things cost money and it feels good to have money in your pocket. And I don't mean the donations that you guys are giving me. I mean finding my own passion and then monetizing it. And if there are several passions there, then I will follow all of those as well. So anyway, I want to say thank you for this entire season of the podcast. And thank you guys for being such loyal listeners and for giving me as much feedback, constructive criticism, and positive reaction as you have. It has meant a lot to me. I remember when I launched Season 1, Episode 1 with Reb Rant of the podcast, I thought to myself, what if nobody listens to this? How am I wasting my time? And luckily, that turned out to not be the case. You guys showed up in droves to listen to this podcast. I really appreciate that. And to say the, the truth, it fit really well to that theme of the original episode, Season 1, Episode 1, which was losing insecurities to be creatively fulfilled. I could have sat in a room and never recorded this podcast, although I had the kernel of the idea for the last eight months. Earlier this year, in early February, I released a State of the Union address where I talked about this podcast, and I said it's going to be premiering in June. It turned out that it did not premiere until September because I was planning this move to Arizona, and there were a lot of things going on. But I remember there was a time in June or in July, I was sitting in my apartment in New York, and I said to myself, damn it, James, you can record this podcast Anytime that you want, you have the equipment, you have the people, you have the wherewithal, you're just making excuses to be lazy and complacent. Get off your butt, get it done, and I bet people will enjoy it. And that's exactly what has happened. And I want to say that as proud as I am about the fact that I haven't completed season one of this podcast, I'm more proud of the fact that you guys have enjoyed listening to it because it does validate what the wall breakers are trying to do. And as you've known, this podcast is in some ways a precursor to the kind of content that you can come to expect on the relaunch of the site. Actionable, tangible, real-world advice from peers and from mentors that you want to listen to and you want to hear what they have to say because they've traveled down the same roads that we want to travel down. With the rest of this podcast episode, I'm going to take you guys through some clips that I felt were important from season one of the podcast. So if you haven't listened to any of the episodes so far, if you've missed a few, this will give you an idea of what some of those episodes had in terms of content. So after this break, I'm going to come back with some highlights from season one. So please stay tuned for more James Scully after this word from our sponsors. Thanks, guys. Now families all over America have named their favorite toothpaste. New Pepsodent with Irium. New fresh-tasting Pepsodent with the new cool minty flavor. It's the three-to-one favorite over all other toothpastes. It's true. With families all over America, new Pepsodent is the favorite three-to-one. Families from coast to coast recently compared new Pepsodent with other toothpastes at home. They preferred new Pepsodent by an overwhelming average of 3 to 1 over all other brands they tried. These families, 3 to 1, said new Pepsodent tastes better, makes breath cleaner, makes teeth brighter. 
Yes, families three to one say new Pepsodent tastes better, makes breath cleaner, makes teeth brighter. Get new Pepsodent toothpaste for your family right away. All right, back on the podcast, and I'd actually like to know what you guys thought of the old-time radio commercials that we were running throughout the first season of the podcast. I've always been a fan of old-time radio. I got introduced to it Christmas in 1999 when my grandmother bought my grandfather a box set of Walter Cronkite selects the 60 greatest old-time radio shows. My grandfather and I sat down and listened to an episode of The Shadow, and I was hooked instantly, and that is 15 years ago, and I would say that my collection of old-time radio shows runs into the 10,000s these days, and who would have known that it would have been a precursor to doing something like this, getting into broadcasting, but... I just want to know, do you guys enjoy these commercials? We don't have any official sponsors on the show right now, what they would call in the old-time radio days. We're a sustained program. But I thought that the commercials I selected for each of the seven episodes fit really well with the thematic elements of that episode. So I'm going to play for you guys a quick clip from Season 1, Episode 1 with Rem Rant. And we talk in this clip about learning from any situation and not settling in life. We also speak about the importance to be self-aware in life and see what's around you for what it is, good and bad. These things are very important. You have to look at yourself and you have to look at what's around you and have a good sense of who you are and where you're going and what you're looking at. So here's Reb and I speaking about that. Maybe that's when it starts to wear on your top. Well, then that's, that's only due to the fact that you failed to do what you're supposed to do. If you are on point, exactly, they, they shouldn't have a reason to forget you. You right. are an asset to a certain group of people, certain community. They exactly. Need you there. It all, and you know what you said there? It show, what shows a lot of self-awareness is that you just said it all comes back to you, essentially. Mm-hmm. If, you don't pay, if you don't succeed at something, at the end of the day, it's always something that you did. Yeah. Even if it was relying on the wrong person and mm-hmm. they... Yeah. screwed you yeah you didn't see the signs you didn't flag. see the sign you yeah. can, there's always something that you can learn from any situation yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're not learning you're just basically choosing not settling and, I, and that's what I, I hate about um, a, a lot of things nowadays uh, industry commercialism all this stuff going on in our economy right now they're all settled all of it all of this is just settled well I think we've bred a society of people that were settled that I've been built to sell, but I think that's changing. It's a shame, though, because we are such a creative. Our generation was very creative because we we had overlaps like crazy, bro. We had things going on that we never knew was going on because but, of technology. In my opinion, it will turn the other way because it's, it's just na- it's but, naturally cyclical. Yes, yes, but it'll take its time, bro. Oh, of course, it'll take its time. the The cycle has now slowed down at least twice as as uh, two knobs. Let's just say two knobs. It, it has to be. Because there's no way to, to cycle it faster. We can't keep. What up are you with talking it. about when you say cycling? Uh, just the the evolution of human evolution society. Of, yeah. I mean, in some ways that's true. In some ways that's not we're true. We're very too de- too dependent right now. In a way, I do agree with that. That we dependent. as a society are dependent, but at the same time, the technological advances are pushing us in new directions just yes. as fast. I I super agree with that. I want that, but there's a lot of technical technological advances that keep us where we need to be and we allow that and they sell more than the ones that should be of course because well now you're talking about like a Fahrenheit 451 type society or like you know it's it's all about is is everyone ready to be educated you know what I mean at this day and age are you are you really gonna settle for what you hear on the radio and not look it up on your own and not not really 
I you just ninety-five percent of what you hear, you just take it for what it is. Either truth or at face value or whatever. Yeah, you value. But it. you don't investigate everything. No, of course not. Possible. But you you put a value on it, and you you prioritize what information is is really right. really more so uh, reliable than Absolutely. the others. Absolutely, I can tell you all about. Reb is quite the talented dude. I will say that. And if you want to check out some of his music, please go to SoundCloud.com/slash/itsRebRant. He released a full-length LP earlier this year called Authentic. He's hard at work, writing rhymes, making new beats, working on his art. Reb is a very, very motivated man, and I see nothing but success for him in the future. So I want to give a quick shout-out to Reb, who's a good friend of mine, and say thanks for being a guest. And I really enjoyed the conversation that we had, and I also want to thank him for being the flagship interviewee on this podcast. No matter where this podcast goes, will always be known that season one, episode one, was with Staten Island hip-hop MC Reb Rant, and it was about losing insecurities to be creatively fulfilled in life. When Lena and I sat down to talk, she had just come back from a trip to London where she met some fantastic people and really learned a lot about herself. I've been really impressed in a good way, and maybe impressed is the wrong word, but I, I really enjoyed coming even closer to Lena as we become business partners. I would have always considered her a very, very strong acquaintance, but over the last three or four months, she has become a good friend and a business partner, and I've seen tremendous growth in her over that time because she is somebody who wants to grow as a person. And that's not to say that she wasn't in a good place before that, but she is making significant strides in her life to figure out what she's passionate about and where she wants to go. And I really appreciate that quality in a person. And when we sat down and spoke, one of the things we talked about is something called agile, which is finding patterns in your work and the importance of fast failures, which is getting to the problem as quickly as possible and seeing what solutions work and what don't. And you have to remember that this helps you figure out what your toolkit is. What are you good at? What is your bread and butter? And this kind of advice can also be taken on a per project level at work, you know, do you want to brainstorm ideas really quickly? But it also, if you remove yourself emotionally from situations in life, can be taken on a much broader level for life decisions as well. If you can look at a situation with a clear head and say, this didn't work, that worked, this didn't work, that worked, let's go with these right here and keep going down the road, you'll feel confident and you'll build those abilities. So here is Lena and I speaking about these kinds of things. How I do things is I very much like try to see patterns and when there's a pattern, I try to like figure out what that is. So, for example, like, what have I done in the past that has worked? What have, what have I done in the past that hasn't worked? What have I observed from other people that's worked for them and not worked? One of my really good friends, Monica, who lives in San Francisco, but used to work in an ad agency in New York, one of the things that I noticed about her approach, about just finding, navigating and traveling through different careers and different titles and different positions is there's this thing called Agile, which is just kind of like a type of way of working where they very much value um, fast failures, getting to the problem as quickly as possible, and then like seeing if it, seeing if it works and, and doesn't work. And, um, and then if it works, continue trucking along, if it doesn't work, drop it, try something else. Doesn't work, drop it again, try something else until it goes. And for Monica, she has the same kind of like, I noticed pattern in her career where she, I mean, but she's not saying that she's failed at all her careers, but she like will start at a position somewhere, stay a couple months. If it doesn't challenge her in the way that she feels like she's being challenged, she'll move on to something else and continue and continue building up on that. And uh, so much so that it's led her to, like, her dream job, which is basically, like, 
being a creative director at like a food company and she's so she's so much like a foodie for me i think my approach is less uh speedy as that i think what i've been doing is just seeing what my toolkit is mm -hmm. um and expanding the toolkit yeah because like like i i, I very much value this idea of being a Jill of all trades, <laughs> even though like, obviously you being a Jill of all trades makes you like a master of none. But I think it's important for me personally to be a generalist because I like this idea of having a wide scope, a wide range of tools in my toolbox to then solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Some people like being more specific and like honing in with like a laser like focus on one thing but for me I, I like having a wide broad base of knowledge which is why like my career I feel like has bounced around in different industries like yep. I did educational publishing and then I did the entertainment industry and now I'm doing work for financial clients and book publishing and I was doing print design and now I'm doing like digital so I hope you guys like Lena's voice because you'll be getting used to it in the coming months. <laughs> and Lena is really excited to be on board with the Ball Breakers, and I could not be more excited to have her on board. Like I said in the opening, I understand that the longer that I needed to steer this ship by myself, the more likely that I would become nothing but an anchor that keeps it in port. Having just another brain in there, bounce ideas off of, and somebody to say, Come on, Scully, what are you thinking? Is that really going to be a good idea? And slap me on the back of my head sometimes when I need it, because let me tell you, I do. Lena is that person right now. There is a strong synergy between the two of us that I really enjoy, and we build each other up because of that, and that's a good outlook for two people who are going to go in business with each other, and also two people who have similar but unique interests in life. I'm very excited for 2015 to be working with Lena Gonzalez. And by the way, you should definitely check out Lena's fashion blog called The Neon Black. She recently launched it. It's www.theneonblack.net. And the tagline, by the way, is where minimalism meets modern supervillain style. Dark fashion curated by Lena G. And I love this blog. I, I look at it all the time. Lena has quite the fashion sense. I love it. And she showcases all of her talent on this blog. So be sure to check out the Neon Black as well. When I sat down with Brett Affronti, it actually took us several weeks to get together. That's the life of a freelance illustrator sometimes. Brett had been working around the clock on a job that while he was in New York, was based in Los Angeles, so he was on Los Angeles hours. And at the time that Brett and I sat down, he had just finished that job and was actually about to go on a short little vacation for himself. So these are the things that Brett was able to do working as a freelancer. And he and I talked about a lot of very strong things, but I want to hone in on one particular thing that he and I spoke about on Season 1, Episode 3. Brett spoke to me about the importance of presenting work that you actually want to do and also taking the time to figure out what you really enjoy. And he said, you know, if you present work consistently or you apply to jobs consistently that you don't really care about and you don't really want, guess what? That's what you're going to get stuck doing because that's just the way that life works for some reason. It's one of those uh, things that if you don't do what you really want, you'll be stuck not doing what you really want. So take the time to figure out what it is that you do want and go after it and don't let anything get in your way. And that's what Brett and I speak about in this clip. So check that out. A lot of it is being at the right place at the right time, promoting, putting yourself out there. There's, there's no, it's not applying to jobs. You need to make your work memorable. You need to implant yourself in somebody else's print. And I think the, one of the best ways to do that. That's a tough thing to do. It is. And I think one of the best ways to do that is at least to start with something that you yourself really like because mm -hmm. you're going to be more inclined to put your heart and soul in it, right? Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, 
I don't know if this is kind of skewing too far, but one of the other things going back to things that I would have known in school trying to get work. Again, I can always speak specifically for illustrators, but you only want to promote the kind of work that you want to do. You don't want to be promoting work that you're going to be miserable doing. Because, because you're going you know to get stuck doing You're going to get work. hired for that exact... If you, if you have five pieces, five illustrations that you have, and one of them, it might be really good, but you, you were freaking miserable doing that piece. You're going to get hired doing that, something like that piece. It's without a doubt, you will get hired, especially you know early on in your career, you will get hired to do the stuff that you hate the most. So if you don't put that stuff out there... You won't get hired for it. Well, right. So put out what you love. Okay. What you love to do is that's a big uh, that's an adjustment. I'm still working on that now. But as know? far as a tangible takeaway from your methods that other people could use, sure. definitely you would say to take the time to explore and and learn yourself enough to know yeah. I really enjoy this. I don't really enjoy that. Sure. Yeah. And, I, and then I, also in line with the things that you do enjoy, don't be afraid to bombard that area. Yeah, it's my the methods as far as the promotion and putting myself on social media and, and out there. It changes. It's always finding the right balance for me. And that's once again, if you want to see some of Brett's new work, please go to Brett Affronti. Com. Brett's got a strong client list, and he has a very recognizable illustration style. And I bet if you looked at his website, you'd find that you've noticed his work in plenty of magazines and plenty of newspapers and plenty of articles at this point in time because he's working his butt off, and he's got some good things to show for it. So I want to thank Brett once again for being on this podcast and tell him how much I miss him. Haven't seen him in a few months. He's a very good friend of mine. Keep going. Keep breaking those walls because you've got nothing but great things ahead for you. And that brings us to Season 1, Episode 5, which is with Tom Moriello. Tom was an interesting guest because he was the first guest that I had on that wasn't a creative professional, as in a professional artist in nature. He was a bar manager, but Tom is very creative in what he presents at his bar, in the kind of things that he wants to do with his bar, in the way that he dresses, in the way that he talks to people. He's a very relatable person. I've actually never met anyone that didn't like Tom, and if I ever met somebody who didn't like Tom, I'd really be skeptical of the reasons why they didn't like Tom. Because I don't know anybody who wouldn't like him because he's so relatable. He's very down to earth. He's a funny person to be around. He can talk about a wide range of things. And he's the kind of guy that just being around makes you feel good and builds your own confidence. Because he's one of those people that when he walks into a room, his personality radiates out from all over the place in a good way. And Tom and I talk about knowing what you're good at in this clip and what you can do to earn money, like I mentioned early on in the podcast, so that you always have a fallback plan. And also the importance of respecting those who have come before you and the importance of being humble. Because if you walk into a situation and you're arrogant, even if you're right about what you're arrogant about, nobody's going to want to listen to you because they're going to say to themselves, wow, this James Scully just walked in here thinking like who the hell he was. I don't even like his face now. Get out of here. You're fired. <laughs> you know, hey. I had to put myself in that situation because I have been known at times in my life to make a jerk out of myself by behaving that way. And now that we get older, we realize that's not the right way to behave. And Tom speaks about why those things are the way they are. So check out this clip with Tom Moriello from Season 1, Episode 5, Getting to Yes in a Pitch Environment. Job a new job or exactly. a client, et cetera. Know what your bread and butter is. Know exactly what it is that you're, it's going to keep you going. But mask that and be able to introduce that, what you're so good at, in different ways. Right. Because years are going to pass. Trends are going to go. People are going to want to drink at new places. People are going to get bored of seeing the same person. So have that same setup, but with a fresh face and a different glass and a different spirit in that glass. Mm -hmm. Knowing what it is, that's what they're coming there for. They're coming there for conversation, for 
feel good, to have fun, and just being a fun place. And it's also kind of like, in a way, what you're saying is understand all the aspects of why something is making you money or how you're making money with it so that if you know all about it and you understand it completely, you can make little facelifts to it and continue to evolve it in certain ways, like you're saying. And that's your research. Right. That's what's doing your homework is. Mm -hmm. Because if you come in there like, oh, look at me. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do everything. That's a great attitude. You're going to eat nothing spit up. Right. Now, if you come in saying, I would like to change the world, but mm -hmm. I'm going to respect who built this world and I'm looking into it. I'm going to understand every decision that they make. I'm going to praise them for it and say, this is what you're doing great and this is where you're going. But from my expertise and what I see, this is where we can take it now. So be humble. Very humble. Because and they know a lot more than you. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely true. And I think that's something that anybody who's ever done well at anything in life is going to get knocked down a couple of pegs sometimes because somebody who's a little older and wiser than them is going to say, well, hey now, fella, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know what you thought. And, but it's good to go in humble because then at least, if, like, so basically what, what you just said, it's almost like the quiet confidence. You should have that quiet confidence because you've done your homework and you're humble about it. And at that point in time, when you feel that way, would you say that because your ego in and of itself, you're not thinking about your ego at that moment. Are you then, because of that, more clear in what you're pitching? If somebody asks you a question, you have that answer because you're not worried about how do I look or what do they think of me or... 100%. And you're not worried about pissing them off at the end of the day. Right. Because the worst thing you want to do is going like, you suck. Everything you're doing is Wrong. Right, and you're not saying that in, in words if you have that attitude. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, I've been around for 15 years. You just came here, and I'm going to tell them to switch everything. You're an idiot. You right. know, like, I, even why if, am I And even if you're them? right, they're not going to believe you. Exactly. you got to know that these people have been on Plymouth Rock a lot longer than you got. Respect the building. Respect the forefathers before you. Mm -hmm. Except everything that's going on before you. You, you have to. And you have to learn something. You have to see the trends, see what they did to and if you're in New York, be sure to check out Whiskey Park. That's on the corner of what would be 60th Street, except it's Central Park South, and 6th Avenue. Tom works a night shift on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. So if you get off from work and you're in New York City, stop by his bar, order a nice autumn cocktail, and tell him that the wall breakers sent you. The final episode of the season was with Steve Atanasio, and actually, of all the people that I interviewed, Steve was the one that I knew the least well. And when you start a podcast like this, as you might imagine, the first people that you're going to reach out to are your friends, because they're the ones that you know the best, and they're the ones that can say, oh, sure, James, I'll be happy to be on your podcast. Steve is a very close friend of a mutual very close friend of ours by the name of John Esposito. Steve and I got in touch with each other randomly because he messaged me on Facebook one day and just said to me, hey, man, I just want to say thanks for what you've been doing with the wall breakers. I really appreciate it. And I was a little taken back by that. I was not expecting a random compliment. And it felt good. And we just got to talking about what he was doing in his life at the moment. I had heard tidbits about what was going on through our mutual friend, John. And I realized how great of a, an interview Steve would be because of everything that he had been doing. So Steve, once again, is somebody who left his job at Goldman Sachs after five years, took the Trans-Siberian Railroad and traveled around all of Russia and Mongolia, wound up writing a book with a World War II veteran by the name of Tony Rohn around the same time, and now has that book published. So Steve and I spoke about understanding the big picture in your own life so that you can remember what you're really trying to do. And that doesn't mean that success will always happen immediately, but you have to remember that resiliency is something that you have to teach yourself in life. 
If you give up anytime the going gets tough, you're always going to be thinking that the world has it in for you or that you can't get ahead. But the truth of the matter is we all struggle at times. And it's those of us who persevere and get to where we want to go because we're clear-headed and confident. And yes, there are times that we're foggy and we're insecure. But you have to remember that you have to be resilient in life to get places. And even when things are going good, it's important to not take that for granted. Steve and I sat down and spoke about that in this clip. So far, my experience has been fantastic, and I'm just really excited to get it out there. Some of the things that we've talked about on this podcast, which the original topic was switching gears in your professional career and how to make it work when you left your job at Goldman Sachs. And I think one of the underlying elements to all of this and your experiences over the last 12 to 18 months are, in order to accomplish the things that you truly want to accomplish in life, you have to step back and be able to see the forest through the trees. And you are somebody who seems to be able to do that incredibly well. You have the ability to look at a situation and go, well, what's the point of it? Why was I doing it in the first place? What do I really want out of this? What's the overarching theme to this situation? And you're somebody who, through your own upbringing, has been able to do that really successfully. And I think that's part of the reason why you were able to connect so well with Tony was because he's somebody who, obviously, being at war for as long as he was, but also just in general in his life, was always able to see the forest through the trees and understand the big picture. And I think that's really important and something that our listeners can take away from this, that sometimes we get in our own way and you have to step back and look at the entire spectrum. What's the point here? What's the real thing that I'm trying to hit on or I need to hit on? And when I can go down that route, that's what's going to lead to the best outcome. Exactly. So you mentioned that Tony uh, has had some health troubles, but he's 95. He's still kicking. He has great genes. His siblings are still alive? Three siblings, and they're all still alive in their late 80s and early 90s. And they still see each other, not as often as they'd like, I'm sure, but they still do see each other, and they're still very close. And yeah, he himself, he's going to be 96. It's amazing. And uh, his spirit and his attitude is just phenomenal when he goes through some pretty traumatic things and then comes out the other side. And it's like, hey, you know, I made it. I'm feeling good. Hopefully, I'm going to get better over the next couple of weeks, months, and I'm back. I'm you know, doing good. And these are things that just speak to that resilience that I think was the reason that he was able to go through the war and sort of that if you want to see the silver lining, once you've made it through such a horrific four years, you have a perspective on what your resilience level is. I've been fortunate to hear some inspirational people speak about the topics of resiliency and things like that. And the common thread that I hear is resilience is not innate. It is not something that we're biologically given. It's something that's mental. And it's about the way you perceive what's happening to you and the way you think about it. So I think that any part of that generation that was able to overcome the PTSD, to overcome the flashbacks and, and the horrible you know, memories of lost friends, just the sights that they had seen. And beyond that, the people that were physically disabled and the wounded warriors that came out of it and their lives were truly physically never the same. They lost limbs, they were disabled in some way. The people that went through that and were able to overcome and live relatively normal lives, and to be explicitly clear, they are no better or worse than those that could not overcome it. But those who were fortunate enough to overcome it, I think they had a different calibration for how resilient they could be. And I think that as Tony gets into his late 80s and his early 90s and now 95 years old, these trips to the hospital, these setbacks that could, for other people in his age bracket, be fatal, wind up being a bump in the road. You're looking at him and you're saying, how is he still hanging in there? And then he comes out and today he's got the big bright smile on his face and he's the Tony that he was before he went into it. And I think that, again, everything I say about this man is indicative of his peers and indicative of his generation, but there are many, many people like this and there's something to be said about that resilience of the human spirit and about the, the perspective that these people took 
back then and now. It's so easy for our generation to walk up and down the street and see these people or see things on the news or see things in the newspapers and not have it sink in to the degree that it probably should. And it's not a coming down on our generation or anything like that. It's more of just pointing out something that was probably obvious to everyone in their mind, but the most obvious things sometimes get missed. Absolutely. That you think about and you know, retrospectively, sometimes one person says it and all of a sudden it's like, Eureka, that's a really good point. And that's something that I have not thought about in a while that I always knew, but I never thought about in a while. Because the concept of paying tribute to our veterans is something that resonates throughout our American society. But what does it really mean? And do we really take a chance to reflect on it and to appreciate it? And I think it's also important to note, like you're saying, that Tony has a strong resiliency based on the experiences that he's had in his life, both good and bad. And he's also somebody who looks at the glass half full. So yeah, he's in the hospital, but he's not giving up. I think the will to live, like you're saying, if it's strong in a person, they'll look at the positive aspect of life and take that from it and not the, oh, I spent the week in the hospital part of it. We can accomplish anything we want in this life if we start to look at all the possibilities. If we're always looking at all the reasons why we can't accomplish something, then how could we do it? And that goes back to the original point of you switching your careers. If you didn't believe that you could leave Goldman Sachs, you would have never left Goldman Sachs. You said, I don't want to wake up and look in the mirror and wonder what could have been. Well, if you live for the day and you live positively and you look at the glass half full, you will always, at the end of the day, feel like you came out ahead. If you want to download Untouched Heroics or buy it on paperback, you can go to www.untouchedheroics.com. Or you can also search Amazon. Go to Amazon and type in Untouched Heroics, and Steve's book will come up. And congratulations, Steve. You self-published a book, and you're a published author. And that's fantastic, man. Going forward, that's something that you can always say that you did. You published a book, and you didn't do it for you either. You basically did it for a man that you had a ton of respect for who deserved to have a book published about his life. And I really recommend that anybody who's got a little time on their hands to go and download or purchase Untouched Heroics. I've read the book. And it is a fantastic, quick read about a man's life whose story deserves to be told. I'd like to say thank you again to Steve. And I'd like to say thank you guys once again for this first season of the podcast. I wanted to come back this last episode and show a bunch of clips from season one because I felt like everybody that I interviewed here in season one deserved to have another call out for them. These were people that gave up their own free time to sit down and talk to me about what was going on in their lives. And if I go back to my last op-ed called The Furthest I've Ever Been Out of My Comfort Zone, Experiences with a Crowdfunding Campaign, I want to say that in the crowdfunding process, one of the things that my friends told me was that I should never feel ashamed to be asking people for donations, but not that. But never take someone's forgetfulness and donating as a sign they don't care, and people do care. They just have their own stuff going on, and they just forget. But the point that I want to make really quickly is that these people that have sat down with me in season one of this podcast gave up their free time. You guys who tune into the Wall Breakers podcast, who have donated, who read the site, you are giving up your own free time because you believe in the Wall Breakers and you believe in me, James Scully, at the same time. And I can't tell you how incredibly empowering that is for me too. And it makes me feel so responsible for my own actions as a human because knowing that you guys would like to see the Wall Breakers succeed makes me have to stop and think about what I'm doing and what I really want to accomplish here because I don't want to disappoint anybody. And that doesn't mean that I'm only doing this for you guys. No, that's not true at all. But it is important to know that sometimes in life, it's good to feel responsible for other people. It's why people become responsible parents, for example, because you realize that your life is not your own life and we aren't islands unto ourselves. So you know how I always end these podcasts. I always tell you to get out there, to hug a friend, to look in the mirror, point at yourself and say, damn, not only do I look good today, 
I'm awesome too. And get out there and do what I want to do today because that's already ingrained in me. Any kind of ability that I want, I can do it because I'm a human being who's living and breathing on this earth. So I want to close this podcast by saying thank you one more time to you guys. I hope that you enjoyed season one and I will be coming back in the coming months with season two. I'm going to take a short break from recording interviews to work on the next version of the wallbreakers.com, which we want to premiere February. Around the holidays, I'm going to come back and start recording season two, and I'm really excited to show you guys who I have on my list for season two of this podcast, because it's only going to get better from here. And that is certainly not a knock on anybody who contributed to season one. I want to thank them once again, Reb Rant, Lena Gonzalez, Bretta Fronti, Tom Moriello, Stephen Atanasio, for taking time out of their schedule to believe in what this podcast could be and to believe that you guys as listeners are interested in what they have to say. And I think that you would agree that what they did have to say was very interesting and very good for all of us around. So you know how I'm going to end this podcast Except this time I'm going to slip into my, you know, Jamesy boy from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn accent. Because I'm not in Bensonhurst right now and I'm not in Brooklyn. And I do miss it. And I do want to say hello to everybody in Bensonhurst. But hey guys, I want you to get out there. I want you to grab yourself a sledgehammer. I want you to look at the person that you care about who happens to be around you today. And say, you're awesome. I'm awesome. We're awesome together. And keep getting out there, guys. And keep breaking those walls. My name is James Scully. This has been Season 1 of Breaking Walls, the Wall Breakers podcast. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you.